بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم یا من تحل بهی و قد المکاره و یا من یفتو بهی حد الشدائه و یا من یلتمسو منه المخرج الى روح الفرد بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم الحمد لله و صلی الله علی سیدنا محمد and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on Sahifa Sajjadiyya by Mizan Institute. Walhamdulillah illadhi aghlaqa anna baba alhajati illa ilayh fakayfa nutiqu hamdahu ammata nuadni shukrahu la mata. In this part of the dua, the Imam puts his finger on a very important matter that we have in Islam and across our Islamic literature. This is not the only place that the Imam is speaking of this. The Prophet, the Al-Bayt, the Qur'an, in one way or another, have all spoken about this matter that he is speaking of here. He says, all praise and all thanks is due to Allah, the one who locked the door of neediness upon us. So he locked that door for us. We are in need of nobody, in other words. Except the neediness towards him, Allah himself. So there's a rule. We are in need of nobody. The exception to that rule is that we are in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has locked that door of neediness towards anyone but him. فَكَيْفَ نُطِيقُ حَمْدَهُ شُكْرَهُ لَا مَتَى So there's a lot to unpack in this, uh, in this regard, brothers and sisters. There are different discussions that we need to have. And maybe some questions that might arise when we initially hear this statement by the Imam. But let's finish the translation. It says he locked the door of, of neediness, the, all the doors, except towards him, neediness towards him, towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَكَيْفَ نُطِيقُ حَمْدَهُ How are we going to be capable of? And how are we going to be able to do justice to his hamd and praise? Or when are we going to ever be able to live up to the thankfulness that we owe him and he deserves? So these are rhetorical questions the Imam is asking. And he ends it with this. He says, لا متى In other words, like, no, there's no answer to this. It's not possible. He says, how are we going to be able to be capable of his praise and hamd? How are we going to ever live up to his shukr? No, when? In other words, it's not going to be possible. He's emphasizing with this last line here. La, mata. No, when? You know, when, you, uh, when you're sure something's impossible and you ask rhetorical questions to illustrate its impossibility, before the person can even answer and even attempt to give you an answer because you know it's impossible, even if they open their mouth to try to answer you, you say, no, 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 when? You're like, when? how is this possible? That person wants to say something. You're like, no, 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 how is it possible? When is it going to be possible? And they want to say something, you're like, no, no, no. You just keep shutting their mouth and not letting them talk because you know there's no answer to it. It's as if the imam here, he's making sure to let us know that, look, this is not possible. We don't have what it takes to be able to do the hamd and shukr of Allah the way it's supposed to be done. There is one little point there that I want to speak of later as well. Uh, but let's go back to the beginning of this line and start unpacking the different discussions that we have here. The first thing that we want to talk about is why is this even a blessing to begin with that we praise Allah for and uh, thank Him for? Well, the fact that we don't have to go to anyone else except Him is a blessing because 
Number one, if we had to go to others for certain things, they either are in need of it themselves, okay, or they don't even have it to begin with to be able to give it to us. Or if they have it and they don't need it themselves and all of that, if they were to give it to us, usually they will belittle us. They will act like they've favored us and they've done us a favor, you know, that kind of thing. And we do have literature that reflects this. In another dua that Imam al-Sajjad has, it says, Alhamdulillah alladhi wakalani ilayh faakramani walam yakilni ila nas fayuhinuni this is very important. As I said, this is you'll find this idea across our literature, across our du'as that we have. Which means, all praises to Allah, the one who, He made me reliant upon Him, upon Himself. And so as a result, He honored me. Now, He honored me, meaning He honors my requests, He gives me what I need, or has honored me by allowing me to rely on him and be in need and dependent upon him. And so all praises due to Allah who did not make me dependent and reliant upon the people. Why? So that as a result, they will belittle me. Usually, when people uh, do us a favor, whether we like it or not, whether they like it or not even, there will be a, at least a subtle belittling of us. yeah. But Allah has honored us. How? By making us only dependent on Him. Now, a question will come up that we'll discuss later, but I'll just say it now. Someone might say, well, we are social beings. Human beings have to live with each other. We take care of each other's needs. We help each other out. So how is this reconciled with the idea that we only need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That is, a, that is the, I would say, the most important question that we need to discuss later. But for now, let's go through this. So, it's a blessing that we do not need anyone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? As I said, they either need it themselves or they don't even have it to begin with and so on. And also, the Quran illustrates for us or gives us a, it compares our need to people to that need or of an, of a spider to its web the way a spider looks at its web just to show us by making this comparison just to show us how weak those we depend on and rely on and see as the ones who are taking care of us just so it illustrates for us how weak that is that how 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 bad a job we're doing when we look at things in this way the quran in surah ankabut verse 41 it says, مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ اتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَوْلِيَاءِ كَمَثَلِ الْعَنْكَبُوتِ اتَّخَذَتْ بَيْتًا وَإِنَّ أَوْهَنَ الْبُيُوتِ لَبَيْتُ الْعَنْكَبُوتِ لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ A very important verse in this regard. The parable of those who take guardians other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that of the spider that takes a home. And indeed the frailest of homes is the home of a spider, had they known. So it's saying, look, when you look at the spider... This spider is all happy and stuff. Why? Because it has a home. It has a refuge. It has a means of sustenance because the web uh, of a spider isn't just its home. It's also the trap that it has laid so that it can capture insects and other things and have a meal. So it's its means of sustenance. It's its means of a refuge. But when we look at this spider, like we'll just laugh at it for thinking that, wow, I have such a strong fortress, fortress that takes care of me. No, no, no. It is that weak. It's just that this spider doesn't understand 
we understand all it takes for us is take a vacuum and just vacuum it all up then that spider will know that wow this wasn't as strong as i thought it would be it would be so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the quran is letting us know that look when you go to other than me or you rely on other than me as you when you take uh, others as your guardians other than me this is how I'm seeing it. It's as weak as a spider's web. Now, of course, it's even weaker than that, but Allah is using this parable just so that we can understand. And I would say that it's because of this, the fact that Allah sees how weak everything else out there is and how powerful and great and perfect and loving and caring He is compared to everything else out there. He will make sure one way or another, if He loves us, that we understand that He's the only one to go to. This is very important. And sometimes it might even hurt. Love hurts, let's say. All right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he, especially when He loves us, and He loves all of His creation, He will make sure that they understand that the people out there are no good. Don't put your trust in them. Even if you're working with them, don't put your trust in them as if they are the Lord. They are the one running everything. They are the one in charge of one's affairs. No. So we have this hadith here. It's a famous one. And similar ones like this one, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lets us know that He's going to make sure one way or another we come to this realization because it's, because it's an important one. He doesn't want us putting our eggs in other people's baskets. He wants us coming to Him only because He only has the, what we need. It says, and this is one hadith, there might be other similar ones to this one, that wa'izzati wa jalali. So this is a hadith qudsi, hadith in which. Uh, one of the infallibles is telling us what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. وَعِزَّتِي وَجَلَالِي وَمَجْدِي وَارْتِفَاعِي عَلَىٰ عَرْشِي لَأُقَطِّعَنَّ أَمَلَ كُلِّ مُؤَمِّلٍ غَيْرِي وَلَأَكْسُوَنَّهُ ثَوْبَ الْمَذَلَّةِ عِنْدَ النَّاسِ He says, by my might, my, my power, my, my magnificence, greatness, my elevation upon my throne, I will cut off the hope of the of those who have hope in anyone other than me and i will put upon them the clothing of lowliness in front of the people that i'm going to push them to a point when they're putting their trust and reliance in other than me push them to the point where they will regret it and they will understand that this is not the way to do it yeah someone might read this hadith at first glance might think to themselves, why does God need us to give Him attention? Why does He want us to turn to Him and so on? The answer to that is pretty clear though, brothers and sisters. It's not for Himself, it's for us. It's like that father, you know, that knows that in the end, his son or daughter is going to come back to them, is going to need them more than anyone else. Yeah, they might find some friends and think that those friends are their saviors and all that. But in the end, those parents, that father, they know that they care the most for their child and they'll take care of that child no matter what happens. Those friends are there in and out. They're going to they're gonna have times where they're good with each other, where they're good with the person. There'll be times where they might even betray them and just desert them. But parents know that they, even if they sometimes might even give their children a hard time, they, in the end, it's all about love. And so they want their children to make sure, they want to make sure their children don't turn anywhere else other than to the parents. Even if they might go left and right a little bit, but they'll learn their lesson, they'll come back. So it's something along those lines, brothers and sisters, we have to understand we can't have a kindergartner type of approach and understanding of God. God is not in need of our attention. 
if he's going to do something like this to us, where he pushes us to the point that we become hopeless in everyone else, that we feel small and belittled in front of everyone else, it's so that we return to him, turn to him. The one who goes to Allah finds honor. The one who turns to others and reaches out to them with a hand asking for help, that is when they will probably just belittle that person. And it won't end well for them. Even if they get the help, it will come with a lot of negative baggage. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is doing such. He's making sure that we reach a point and a realization that, look, He's the one to turn to always. But brothers and sisters, by the way, we still have that question to discuss of, wait a minute, but we still rely on each other. We are social beings. We'll get to that, inshallah. Another little question before we get to that bigger question is that, okay, well, why does Allah even give us need in the first place? Brothers and sisters, we do have to understand that, look, there's a reason why we're in this life. Allah didn't take us straight to Jannah. It wasn't possible for Him to take us straight to Jannah. There's a theological discussion behind that that we don't want to get into right now. All in all, we had to come here. Right, the fact that we're here shows us that God had to bring us here. There was a wisdom in it. And so now, when we have needs in this life, they're not going to always be fulfilled right away, even if we only rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we ask Him, and we ask Him, still, it's not like it's going to always get fulfilled the way we want, the way we wish. Or it's going to take a long time for it to be fulfilled. Whatever the case may be, there are different things that scholars have said. We have hadiths in this regard as well. All in all, there are some wisdoms behind why. Even when we reach out to Allah and Allah alone for our needs, it's not given to us right away or given to us the way we want it. Sometimes... You know, of course, it might not be in our favor. It might not be to our benefit. We've all heard this before. Sometimes it's just a matter of Allah wanting us to call Him more and more. This is important. We have to understand this. And I think we have hadiths for this as well. That sometimes Allah will put off answering our prayers. Why? Because He wants to hear our voice more calling Him. Once again, not because He needs it. Not because he necessarily enjoys it and he needs it. No, but we need that a little bit. We need a stronger uh, bond with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I tell this to young guys sometimes who might come to me who are interested in a girl or a sister that might be interested in, another, in, a, in a boy for marriage, but it's not working out. And sometimes for the most unjustified reasons, the families aren't letting it happen. All right, so a boy and a girl who are a match for each other and really like each other, and are trying to do it in a halal way to like get married and all that, but the families or, for, or any other circumstances are not allowing it to happen. What I tell those guys, what I tell that brother or sister that's complaining to me about it, I'm like, look, I understand your situation, and I'm upset that this is the case right now, but the least is that now you just at least do some major dua after every salat that you do. Do some major dua so that Allah fixes this for you. At least... Fix your bond with Allah more. This is a good opportunity and a good excuse because you're heartbroken. You're vulnerable now. You need someone to talk to. Well, talk to Allah about it. I'm not necessarily guaranteeing that after you do your dua, after you do your munajat and you speak to Allah with a broken heart, that it's going to be resolved. I'm not guaranteeing that. But I do, do guarantee one thing, that you can make the most of this opportunity to the point that this... Uh, that you come out of this with a stronger bond with Allah at least. Yes, brothers and sisters, sometimes Allah is not going to let things go our way, is not going to give us the things that we want the way we want, 
Why? Because he wants to hear us call him more and more. And this itself is to our benefit. I think each of us might have a story of ours where we can relate to this idea that there have been things that we've really wanted and we've really called Allah, but he never gave it to us. Later on, we found out it wasn't in our best interests, but at least we came out of it with a stronger bond with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the end, the only thing that is always going to be in our interests is a stronger bond with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is sometimes the reason why, even though we reach out only to Allah, and we're not getting what he's asking, what we're asking him. Why? Because he wants to hear us more and more so that we strengthen our bond with him. Sometimes it's about God just wanting us to develop uh, a stronger patience. That is our growth. Pa- being patient in life, that is that requires growth. A person who's grown more than others is going to be more patient than others. Sometimes he wants that for us. Sometimes it's a test. At the end of the day, he wants to see, okay, I'm not going to give this to you. Are you going to go and satisfy this need of yours now in a haram way just because it didn't work out when you asked me for it? Brothers and sisters, we can think of so many things, so many reasons why, uh, even though he's the only one we reach out to, still it's not fulfilled the way we want. All right, so now let's go to that question that I've said is an important one that we need to address. And that is the question of, okay, we are not supposed to be in need of anyone else other than Allah, that's what the dua is saying. It's thanking and praising Allah for what? For allowing us to only be in need of Him. But then we see that us human beings, as social as, social as we are, and as a result of being that social, we are in need of each other to fulfill each other's needs. I can't be a butcher and at the same time be a doctor and at the same time be a mujtahid. And, and, and religious ex- expert and at the same time be this at the same time be that yeah at the same time be a farmer at the same time have livestock and so on and so I can't and none of us can be like that each of us is good at something and we uh, we benefit from the services of each other so we are in need of each other so the the, the the dua is saying that we are in need of no one but Allah but at the same time we see that we are in need of everyone else especially in this day and age you cannot live on your own. In this day and age, we have 50 different needs that we need 50 different people for, 50 different companies for, and so on. So how do we reconcile these two matters? These are realities that we need to figure out. And the answer to that that is usually given that I would, that I personally believe in as well and I, and I really like is that, brothers and sisters, we have to understand it's not that we don't need each other. But we ha- it's, a, it's more of a mindset. It's more of understanding that, look, when we are even in need of each other, in reality, we are in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because Allah is the one who's created everything else out there that is also, that I'm in need of. If I am in need of a farmer, if I am in need of a doctor, if I am in need of whatever else I am in need of, or whoever else I'm in need of, each of those people in turn as in need of me probably as well, and we are all in need of, in our existence, in our life, in our breaths, in everything, our health, our wealth, in everything, we are in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in the end, we have to understand that we have to have this mindset that although we have a need of of each other, that is quote-unquote a need. It is not a real need. The real need the only independent one out there that we are in need of is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, if 
this doctor, that doctor, this doctor, that doctor, they don't exist, is, does that mean that it is now impossible for me to ever be cured of this illness that I have? No. Because why? Allah is still there. And Allah can, in one way or another, figure this out for me. On the flip side though, if this doctor, if there's a hundred doctors that are all living with me even, if I get sick and ill, if Allah is not there, if Allah's permission is not there, I'm not going to be cured. Whether I like it or not, whether or not those all those doctors do what they need to do. Yes, we are, at the end of the day, in a world of cause and effect. Causality governs the natural world. Allah wants it like that. Allah is behind that. He's, he, he, he's telling us himself, the imams, the prophet, they're, they're all living normal lives. We know that that is the way of life, but at the same time, we cannot forget that the top of all of this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think this is pretty clear because all of us have heard this growing up. We hear it left and right again and again that Allah is behind everything. Allah is running everything. And we have to also understand that sometimes when things don't run the way we want, yeah, there's a hundred reasons for that as well. And this is what is referred to in theological discussions as Tawheed Af'ali. That in the horizontal chains of causes and effects, you know, flipping the light switch, the light turns on. Pushing a domino, the rest of the dominoes fall. I am sick, the doctor cures me. There's all these causes and effects in a, they call it a horizontal a chain of chains of causes and effects. There's also a vertical chain of causes and effects that goes all the way up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's at the top of all of that. So here I am thinking flipping the light switch is what turns the light, the light on. Here I am thinking that the doctor is what cured me and all of that. No, the doctor is part of a package here. We're all on the same horizon. We're all on the same plane of existence. But then you will have a vertical chain of causes and effects that goes all the way up to Allah. No, the one who cured you was Allah through that doctor. The light turned on by Allah through the flipping of the switch and so on and so forth. And so this is a very important understanding to have and that's why we have it all over our literature and scripture. The Quran, the hadiths are always talking about this Tawheed of Ali in one way or another. Speaking in deep terms or using examples that everyone can relate to. All over we have it. Why? Because it is one of the most important concepts in Islam, this Tawheed of Ali. To understand that Allah is behind everything and is powerful over everything. Now some people out there, they have spent their lives in obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah gives them a bonus where they will not only know what we know, that Allah is behind everything, but they also experience it. It's as if they see that Allah is behind everything. Now, these people will reach a tranquility in this life that others are not going to be able to enjoy and are deprived of. To experience that Allah is behind everything and on top of everything is different than just knowing it. But the least at least is that we know this because it is spread out through our literature. They are telling us left and right that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one in charge of everything. And if someone practically not theoretically, but practically doesn't acknowledge this, they suffer from something called a shirkul khafi, or subtle shirk, which is not a shirk that takes you out of the fold of Islam. But in the end, you are putting someone next to Allah as if practically. When you look at that doctor as if they're the one, the only one who can cure you, and you forget that Allah is part of this, and as a matter of fact, Allah is on top of all of this, then that is 
a subtle shirk that we have that we have to work on a little bit. But as I said, those who continue the path of obedience of Allah and servitude of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah, Allah sheds a light into their hearts that yeah, I am everything, behind everything. And you will be appreciative of whatever I have in store for you. And that is something that really one should wish for and aspire to accomplish, of course, with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the only way to do that is to continue the, the path of obedience of Allah and to do dua that Allah sheds that special light of His into our hearts. Finally, one last point that we have here is when the Imam says, فَكَيْفَ نُطِيقُ حَمْدَهُ How do we have the capability, the capacity, the ability to do, to, to, to do the hamd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? كَيْفَ نُطِيقُ حَمْدَهُ If you want to really translate it literally, it's how do we have the tolerance for his hamd. How can we tolerate it? How can we handle it? It's too much to handle. I just want to explain this um, as the last point before we end. And that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His hamd, if it's going to be a proper praise, it, it depends on something. And that is knowledge of that which we are praising Him for. So if a person wants to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, thank Him. They're not just going to thank him for something vague, something they don't have a knowledge of. No, you know of something praiseworthy, and then you praise, you thank. If we are going to really do the hamd of Allah the way it's supposed to be done, such that we can call it, I did the hamd of Allah. If we, if we can call the praise of Allah, the praise of Allah, that means it's really the, His praise. If you really want to do His praise, you have to have knowledge of everything that He deserves to be praised for. And the Qur'an is very clear about this. It says, وَإِن تَعُدُّ نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْصُهَا If you were to attempt to count and enumerate the blessings of your Lord, you won't be able to. And this is just the blessings that have to do with me. Forget about all the beauties of Him and the universe that He's created. And even beyond the universe and the realms of the angels and everything else and Jannah and Jahannam and all of that. If I was to try to have, <laughs> I can't even say a drop of this ocean, it wouldn't be possible. To have knowledge of all of those things that bring about Allah's, Allah being worthy of praise, I wouldn't be able to. So, to be able to do the proper praise of Allah means that I have to have knowledge of all of that which is praiseworthy, which is all of the good things that Allah has done and has. For that, I have to have, God knows what, what type of soul I have to have to be able to bear such knowledge to begin with. We don't have the capacity for that. We cannot handle and tolerate that. It's too much for us. It's beyond our threshold. And so I found this wording here very interesting, where it says, كَيْفَ نُطِيقُ حَمْدَهُ If I'm going to do that, I have to bear such knowledge. I won't be able to bear such knowledge. Impossible. I don't have what it takes. I can't handle it, number one. And let's just assume that I had that knowledge. Now I want to actually praise Him. Can I praise Him? Do I have enough time for that? Do I? No, I have to praise till eternity, for eternity. That's not possible either. And so here, one can understand a little bit, get an idea and glimpse of the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then one appreciates Surah Al-Fatiha, 
where it says Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise is due to Allah. Wow, this is something we recite every day in our Salat. Now, we can never understand it thoroughly because we don't have the knowledge that's supposed to go with it. But at least we can acknowledge that we don't have what it takes. When we say Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, and I have a little bit of an understanding of how insignificant I am when it comes to the praise of Allah, then the least is that outside of my Salat, I'll be a little more careful. I'll give a little bit of the importance that Allah has. I'll give a little bit of that to Him in just not disobeying Him when it comes to the harams of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as you can see, brothers and sisters, this was one line we had. وَالْحَمْدُ الَّذِي أَغْلَقَ عَنَّا بَابَ الْحَاجَةِ إِلَّا إِلَيْهِ فَكَيْفَ نُثِيقُ حَمْدَهُ شُكْرَهُ مَتَى That was just one line, but it took us this long to unpack some of the discussions that we had therein. وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ وَبَرَكَاتُهُ